Well, hello, and welcome to the Imago Nutrition Podcast, where we answer your questions and give practical nutrition strategies to help you and your family flourish. So what we're going to talk about today is, do your children request snacks frequently? Um, You maybe have a meal, and 10 minutes later, they're asking for a snack, or maybe, how do you know if they're hungry? Um, How much food do they really need when they're growing? So um, this is our topic for today, snacks. It is exhausting for parents to constantly, you know, have snacks available and um, they're, you know, if you're struggling with your children consistently and frequently asking for snacks, what can we do about that? So as parents, we don't want our kids to be hangry. That only results in poor behavior. And on the other hand, we want them to be hungry for the next meal. Um, maybe they eat some at the meal and we think, okay, well, their tummies are small, so they just can't hold a lot of food. And that's why they eat so often. Do you wish the enthusiasm and desire they have for snacks would also exist for meals? So that's another desire that comes out of this. Um, we see their constant request and you're wondering, well, can we be excited for meals as well? So um, first I wanted to just look at some potential reasons why children request snacks frequently. And then we'll just dive into some practical strategies since that is what we are here to do, um, give you some practical strategies. Um, We are just wanting to help you and this is a great way to do that. So first, it is possible they are not getting enough protein or fiber at meals or snacks. Um, So this is um, protein and fiber rich foods are the ones that help us feel satisfied, satisfied for a longer period of time where carbohydrates are digested more quickly and they can leave us feeling hungry quickly after eating a meal. Um, So that is one reason. And sometimes parents are really focused on just that protein aspect of that. But I also want you to uh, think about the fiber aspect too. So fiber and protein are both very filling foods. um, And we just want to... see if maybe possibly they're not getting enough offered or, you know, maybe they're not liking those foods as much. And we can talk about that too. So snacks, number two would be snack choices are their favorite foods. So whether your kids eat most foods you put in front of their uh, face or on their plate, or they have very limited foods that they eat, advertised snack foods are highly satiating. So they're crunchy and no, not they're, they're highly appetizing. They're crunchy and uh, salty or sweet. So they cater to anyone's food preferences. Um, speaking of advertising, um, research shows that kids are highly influenced by packaging. So for example, turtle shaped goldfish, that's a hit, or just put a Paw Patrol on a yogurt and now it's a winner. So that is what, you know, reason number two, snack choices are their favorite foods. Um, another reason is they are in control. So in many cases, kids request snacks before parents offer. So kids like to decide and feel in control. Don't we all parents alike? Um, kids may even get to decide what snack they have, um, most of the time. So some sweet, caring, loving parents are 
packing multiple snack choices in the diaper bag or car because who doesn't want to avoid another meltdown? So that is reason number three. They want to be in control. Uh, Reason number four, they are training their bodies to be hungry. So let me explain that a little bit. So pretend you never eat breakfast, but you've heard of all the health benefits of eating breakfast. So you give it a try. You, You have something small every morning around the same time. And after you do that a couple of weeks, your body will be hungry at that time. So then when you are hungry, it's a little bit easier to continue eating at that time every day. So you have now trained your body to become hungry. For me, I got in the bad habit of snacking at night when my kids were in bed when they were little. It was kind of like a treat for myself and I had to untrain my body um, to stop snacking at night because I wasn't really hungry. I was just eating, uh, to, for enjoyment only. So, um, back to our kids. Yes. Your children, if they're used to having a snack after breakfast and another one after lunch, one before dinner and one after dinner and one before bed, you know, so how, whatever time they're having those snacks, their bodies are actually getting hungry at those times. So that's why, it's hard to know, you know, are you hungry or, or maybe you're, maybe you're not. So the good news is you can untrain the body as I did. Like I mentioned, um, it's not easy and it's especially probably not very easy for kids. Um, cause hangry kids are probably worse than hangry adults. Um, so I'll, I'll talk about that in a minute here as well, but it's, it's possible to train your body to become hungry and it's possible to untrain your body, um, to become hungry. So that was number four. Number five, um, high energy needs. So if you were to guess how many steps your kids get in a day, so my kids got a a watch for Christmas and it has their steps on it and they aren't even trying, you know, they're not trying to get steps, um, but they just don't sit down. And so they're getting like 9,000, 8,000, 10,000 steps a day. They our boys. And so they just love so many big movement, um, things. So they're, you know, constantly requesting to go outside and play basketball and ride their bikes. And, um, that's wonderful. I'm not complaining, but if your kids are constantly moving, um, you know, they, they are expending a lot of energy and maybe they're also in some after school activities such as sports or things like that. Um, and they're growing. So kids um, are possibly in need of a snack a little bit more than adult. Um, we are not growing anymore. Um, and on the other hand, though, if your children aren't those high, uh, you know, bouncing off the walls type of kids, they really like to sit and play Legos or read books or arts and crafts. One, that's amazing. I'm a little jealous. And two, you possibly will have an easier time decreasing snacks if needed. So um, yeah, so that is uh, a little advantage. <laughs> um, but possibly it's not, it's not easy. So let's move on to the last one. I really was only going to give you four reasons why, but I'm all here. I am on number six already. So the last reason for today is boredom. Um, so food can be a source of entertainment, any activity, um, or an activity. So if your child is bored, they may request a snack. The problem with this is when we're not eating out of hunger, we don't know when to stop. 
So for example, your child will stop eating his or her snack possibly when they're bored or they're excited, excited for the next activity. Um, and that could be after the whole bag of chips or it could be after a couple bites of the snack. So I wonder if that's happened to you where you put out a snack they requested, they take one bite and run off and are excited about something else that they want to do. Um, that, that child is just one example of that child wasn't really hungry. They were um, just looking for a snack out of boredom. Okay, so now that we have six reasons and there are many more, how can we rein in where you know, how frequent our snacks need to be for our kids. So first, a good rule of thumb is most children um, need one snack between meals and some may even need less. Um, so you don't have to have one snack um, between each meal, um, but that's a good rule of thumb as far as the maximum goes for most children. Okay. The goal, the goal is for our kids to listen to their bodies, eat out of hunger only, and stop when they are feeling satisfied. So that may feel like a big ask. Um, and what we first want to do is model this as parents. Um, one way to model that is if we're grazing all day, then they will too. Um, another way to model this is not, you know, joining the clean your plate club. So at, at meals or what have you, not requesting any more bites than they um, originally want. Um, so having them listen to their bodies is really key for good habits for long-term health. Um, and we won't go in that today, but that's a lot of um, mindful eating habits that I love to talk about. So anyway, with that rule of thumb, most children need only one snack between meals and may need less. And with our goal, the goal is our children to listen to their bodies eat out of hunger, and stop when they feel satisfied. So what are some practical tips or steps to get those snack frequencies to where they need to be? So the first one is to offer protein and fiber at every meal, every opportunity, every snack, I should say. So every opportunity, we want to have a source of protein or a source of fiber. So if we just serve carbohydrates alone, that's when they're going to be asking for another snack or meal more frequently than it's, um, than it's needed. So protein foods, there are so many different options here. There's nuts, um, nut butter, such as peanut butter, almond butter, there's dairy products, and that could be cheese, cottage cheese, yogurt, kefir, um, meat or poultry. Um, so yeah, obviously those would maybe mean more so at snacks. Um, it could be a hard boiled egg. Um, my kids, uh, like egg boats, which is basically a hard boiled egg, but you take the yolk out and you put a little hummus in the middle. That's what we call egg boats. Um, bean and lentils and green peas are another snack, um, choice. Now, Peas and lentils are kind of hard to do for a snack. Um, edamame is a great one. That's a, a, a soybean and it's crunchy and can have a little sea salt on it for, for that savory flavor. Or they have those roasted chickpeas um, or faba beans, F-A-V-A. And those come in different flavors like honey roasted, mesquite barbecue, or just sea salt. They're crunchy. So it's a great like chip or cracker substitute because the beans obviously have protein and fiber. 
Um, so that's some examples of protein foods. There are several more. And some examples of fiber foods would be fruits, veggies, starchy vegetables, such as the ones I mentioned, um, beans and lentils, sweet potatoes, um, and then whole grains are also a great source of fiber. Um, so whole grains are a little hard to identify sometimes. So when you're looking for whole grains, um, there's a yellow stamp that you can look for. It says whole grains, or you can look for the word whole in the ingredient list. Um, <clears throat> another way is to just look at the dietary fiber on the label. So the dietary fiber of three grams and maybe up to eight grams is a good option. If it's really high, like 10, 13 grams of fiber, they have likely added fiber, which can cause a lot of GI discomfort. So that's not necessarily a natural source. Um, so about three grams of fiber on the label is, is great. So if we're looking to add protein and fiber at every opportunity, you know, you can start with breakfast. So what protein can you put with their cereal or does their cereal provide any fiber? Um, so here are some protein and fiber pairs for breakfast. So like pairing those two things together for most satiety or most fullness would be maybe like peanut butter with whole grain toast or eggs and fruit, yogurt and fruit. Um, a smoothie can have fiber in it with fruits and veggies, and it can have protein in it with yogurt or ricotta cheese or peanut butter. Um, there's definitely protein pancake options. You can make homemade ricotta cheese pancakes. Those are really delicious. You can make cottage cheese pancakes. You can make high protein pancake mix. So those pancakes are unlimited options there. Um, and then like oatmeal with nuts or peanut butter, or almond butter, that's pairing a, a good source of fiber in the oatmeal and nuts and peanut butter have protein, heart healthy fat, and some fiber. So that's a pretty filling breakfast there. Um, so we just briefly, you know, walked through breakfast there, but you can walk through your child's day and what they typically eat, um, and see if they're getting, um, protein and fiber off the, offered frequently, protein and fiber <laughs> offered frequently. Um, all right. So practical tip number two. So take some of the control out of snacks. I said some, not all. So we don't have tons of meltdowns, but we probably will have a few. So as parents, we need to decide when snack time is, and that is between meals, not close to meals. Additionally, tell your child that sometimes mommy and daddy will pick out the snack and sometimes you get to pick. So they get to practice taking turns. Okay. Um, again, for each snack, you want to make sure you have protein or fiber. So put string cheese out with a goldfish, um, even if they don't touch the string cheese. That's fine. You offered. Um, if it's your child's turn to pick and they choose goldfish, then you would say, do you want apples or cheese with that? That's apples would be your fiber source. Cheese would be your protein source. And if they say, well, I don't want either of those. I want more goldfish. Then you're going to simply say more goldfish will not help you feel full. So you can have apples or cheese, or you can wait until the next meal. So this step or this tip addresses two of the reasons we mentioned earlier. Snacks are kids' favorite foods and their desire of control. So as we can see, we're not taking away anything besides the child choosing when snack time is. And that's really important because you as a parent deciding when snack time is 
is to help your child be more receptive to meal uh, food at mealtime because you can tell time and you know when the next meal roughly will be served. Um, so picking one snack between meals not close to meals can retrain their bodies to be hungry at appropriate times as well. Um, and they do get still some control. Um, they are still going to be able to pick their snack sometimes, not always. If they pick their snack always, you're still allowing the snacks to be more exciting than the meals. Um, and we're trying to put them on the same playing field um, because if the snacks are always more exciting, those meals are always going to be kind of a struggle. So, so just definitely take turns. You're, you're, you're practicing two things here. <laughs> they need to learn how to take turns in life, don't they? So um, number three is stick with one snack between meals. So this is hard. Um, so for at least two weeks, if your child is used to having, you know, two to three snacks between meals, um, then this is going to be a struggle for two weeks, but you can do it. Um, so use distraction of a new activity, change scenery, remind yourself of short-term pain for long-term gain. So the gains of this, of having one snack between meals, this is what you gain. You gain that they are more receptive to foods at meals. Two, they're going to get a more appropriate amount of calories for their body. Um, so when we're grazing all day or having lots of snacks, we're more likely to overconsume um, eating more than we need. So that would be the benefit of the gain number two. And the next, lastly, it's less work for you, constantly putting out food and cleaning it up. And um, so that's that's your three gains by sticking with this one snack between meals. Um, and this is again for most children. So um, if your child has a specific diagnosis of some sort and higher energy needs, um, yeah, definitely talk with your pediatrician or dietitian how many snacks um, are needed for your child specifically. But most children need just one snack between meals. Um, they will act like they're starving, um, but they they are not. Okay, they will they will survive. And even kids that move a lot because of sports, um, because they just don't like to sit down. They do well still with one snack between meals. My kids, like I said, won't sit down. Um, they really struggle with getting them to like any activities <laughs> that are stationary. Um, and so they they don't even actually have a snack between every meal. They uh, I don't know what happens at school as far they do pack a snack for school. Um, but like in the summertime or on weekends, we don't have a snack between breakfast and lunch. Um, we don't necessarily have a snack before bed. So, you know, it's, it's really possible if your kids move a lot, um, or are very active that they may not need their snacks may be a little bigger than those kids that are, um, enjoying the Legos or the stationary activities, but still one snack between meals. Um, all right. So the last tip I have for you today is start uncovering the mystery. So start paying attention to when your child is requesting a snack. Does he or she seem bored? Does he or she seem stressed? Does he or she seem lonely or tired? Um, so there are so many reasons that kids and adults turn to food. So work on uncovering that root issue, and then you'll be able to more appropriately address it. Um, because, you know, obviously if they're bored or tired, food is not going to help with that. Um, <clears throat> so that would be my last tip for you today. 
Um, so hopefully you um, have found this helpful. If we can help, please contact us um, at imagonutrition.com slash contact. Okay. Um, our website again is www.imagonutrition.com. And before you go, I do want to tell you about two of our newest programs that can be really, really helpful. Say you have a picky eater, like some of these tips that I gave you are not doable because your child really doesn't eat a lot of protein sources or doesn't like a lot of fiber sources. Um, I would highly suggest our picky eating package, and that is four visits where we really address um, the root cause of the picky eating, talk about how to have variety um, in our food choices and how to appropriately um, introduce new foods, um, the language that we need at the table, um, and, and some parent and child roles that can really um, decrease the stress and the power struggles at the table. So that picky eating package I mentioned in our last um, podcast um, is really, really powerful. I um, really want to walk side by side with you um, and not just give you you know, one appointment just would not be serving you well. If I only was able to meet with you one time, I would be able to tell you just about a fourth of what um, you need to know. And so that's why we have these four visits combined together in this picky eating package. And the other program um, is called Family Nutrition Remodel. And so if you are someone that just, you know, wants overall your, your family to eat um, more whole foods, less processed foods, or you're just like, I don't know what's healthy. You know, I'm getting so much misinformation out there and conflicting information. I just don't even know what's healthy anymore. Um, uh, maybe you're really busy and you just would like a little accountability and, um, little tidbits of help throughout the week. So this would be for you. So, so basically each week I would, um, send you an email with a short educational video, um, on one specific topic. And then I would give you a goal to work on for that week. And that week you would also have a new recipe to try and some tips on how to talk to your children and your family about how, how to have a healthy relationship with food. Um, so that family nutrition remodel program is addressing so many good things. So education we need, so we're not bombarded with all this misinformation um, accountability we need on a busy schedule, um, and some motivation, you know, like if you submit some proof of your work, you know, you might get a, a chance to win a prize. And then lastly, probably most important, like how we talk about food as parents or our actions, um, how can they foster healthy relationship with foods for generations to come, right? For your kids and their kids and, and so on. So it's really important, um, to, to know how to foster those healthy relationships with food in your family. So again, if you have found this helpful, please share it with a friend and um, subscribe to our podcast. Um, give us a review. We really appreciate your comments and feedback. Um, as always, thank you for happy poo happy pill for our theme song, Thinking About Food. Have a great day.